Welcome to Off the Looking Glass. I'm Kate Fagan. I'm Jessica Spatana. Jess, it's here. It's here. It is here. It is the eve of the Women's World Cup. The biggest sporting event in the world, as I like to call it, Jess. So. Kate, I can't believe that it's already time for the World Cup. It feels like the 2019 World Cup was yesterday. And now the world champions again. And yet also happened in a different part of the simulation that we're all living in before COVID. Wow, it's here. It is here. And we've got so many storylines. Wait Every- a second. Kate. What? Speaking what? of storylines, I okay, can't tell me. in good faith let us talk about the Women's World Cup without closing the loop on a storyline that we've been talking about on this podcast for months. Give it to me. What is it? The U.S. Women's Open, Kate. It came and it went. Golf. Golf happened. And we didn't get to talk about it on last week's episode. So I just wanted to say it was really powerful stuff. Pebble Beach. At Pebble Beach. I watched so much golf that my eyes were bleeding. And Ooh. Allison Corpus won the U.S. Open, and her reaction, her emotion, going down the 18th hole, knowing she had a three-stroke lead and she was about to triple her career earnings, win a major on primetime television on NBC. It's still a three-shot lead. Beauty, a low wind cheater. Is this impressive? Pretty spectacular to watch. So I wanted to close the loop on that. Say congratulations. And it's Allison Corpus who indeed emerges as the very first champion in the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach. We should put more women's sports on primetime because guess what? When it's on primetime on a network television station, a lot of people watch. You know, what makes sports spectacular is spectators, Jess. So that's true. Spectate, Wait, spectate. but give me, give me like a thirty second because uh, you did text me said that you were either near tears or tears were forming or tears actually happened in watching this. So for someone who didn't watch it, like what was it about her reaction? Just pure joy, excite. Like what was she conveying? She was conveying that she seemed like fairly stunned. Like she seemed like she mm. kind of like started sinking in towards like seventeen and eighteen. She had a big enough lead that she kind of knew it was going to happen, which is always good. I mean, I love when golf tournaments come down to the last hole or there's a playoff or something. But in this instance, I was like, okay, no, like I don't want her to screw up. This is big. So she kind of was conveying a sense of, holy crap, I can't believe this is happening. But she also stayed really cool and calm, which, you know, that's an important thing in golf. Like she could have shanked the last shot into the water because there was water on the left-hand side on that hole. But no, she put the ball exactly where it needed to go. She putted it in. It was really just like a nice culmination of a hyped up Mm. weekend ending on a very cool note. And then, of course, like as the players do on the in the women's game, they like dump water bottles on the winners heads and stuff. So it was fun to watch. And then it just seemed like she was like, holy crap, I can't believe that just happened for the rest of the interview process and the award ceremony, which was awesome. All right, Jess, so that is a storyline that you have closed the loop on. Thank you for doing that. And that brings our, I honestly think this is almost like a borderline golf podcast now, but we are going to transition into the Women's World Cup, an event we've had on our calendar maybe three years, 351 days, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. close. And we've got all these storylines. So I don't know, I think maybe the best thing to do 
Before we get to our interview on this week, which is on brand with the Women's World Cup, a very exciting guest that we have on Off the Looking Glass today. But some of the storylines we're excited about when it comes to this Women's World Cup. We've got a new one now that just dropped last week in Megan Rapino announcing that this would be her last World Cup, which wasn't exactly like shocking news. But knowing that this is the last time we'll see her, not just at a World Cup, but like her last year playing soccer, I mean, that adds a storyline similar to the Abby Wambach storyline in the 2011 World Cup when we knew it was Abby's last go-around. So what are a couple things that you're looking forward to in this month of soccer? Well, I think this is a really exciting and interesting time to be a U.S. women's national team fan because there's been so much change over the last four years. Like a lot of the really familiar faces that people remember from 2019 aren't going to be playing this year. And Megan Rapinoe is kind of one of the last like really tremendously huge superstars of the era of soccer that is now coming to an end. And there's so many like really exciting young players whose first World Cup appearance we'll get to see. So we say this a lot with sporting events, like the changing of the tide and things like that. So it's a little cliche, but there's some truth to it. And there are going to be a lot of players that people who aren't huge fans of the team will get to see for the first time. So I'm excited for that. Like for people to see the Trinity Rodmans go out there and play, like that's going to be really cool. Do we think it's the changing of the tide or the changing of the guard? Or is does the tide change I, too? Okay, please don't quiz me on sayings. Okay. Oh, like we this don't is, get them right. We're bad. We're at turning them. the page. We're turning the page is what we're doing. Yeah. In we're starting okay, a new so, chapter. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so we've got a lot of U.S. storylines, and you mentioned like Alyssa Thompson being the youngest ever to suit up. Trinity Rodman, I'm really excited to watch. But I'm actually really interested in a lot of the international storylines as well. I'm really excited for the Matildas, 10th in the world. So if I was going to think that they were going to make it far, it would be a bit of a dark horse. But they have Mm -hmm. Sam Kerr, who has a connection to this podcast because we interviewed her girlfriend, Christy Mewis, on this podcast. So I'm excited to see how Australia does. I'm also, as always, excited for the three Lions because England coming off of their Euro win I don't know if they have the goods because they have a lot of injuries, but it's always exciting when England is good at soccer, considering that that nation will just light itself on fire if they're playing good soccer. They love it so much. It's true. Yeah, I think there's just the thing that I'm the most excited about is just like wall to wall coverage of it. Mm -hmm. I love watching every single game. I know the time change is going to make it hard to watch some of the early rounds because they're going to be on at like 3 a.m., but It doesn't matter. I'll watch the replays on at midday, even if I already know who won. It's the World Cup. You have to watch every single game or you're who even are you? What's the point? Jess, can we commit to doing like a live text? Just me and you. This isn't being broadcast. It's just me and you. (laughs) We can see if Anya is going to do it. But can we stay up late enough? To no. watch the U.S.'s opening. Oh, the, yeah, you're right. It's after <laughs> it's after nine. Do you think we can do it? I think I I mean, for the U.S., I will stay up. I will wake up at stupid hours for the other teams. Mm-hmm. I will watch the replay and pretend like I don't know what's going to happen. And that I think that's good enough. OK, so you're committing to just a live text with me. Maybe Anya. We'll see if she's available for the U.S. Vietnam game on July 21st. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm which game. I think is, yes, this week, tomorrow if you're live listening to Off the Looking Glass right now. 
I'm so excited about this World Cup because I feel like this is the first one where we're not going, not us going into it, but the world, the powers that be, the advertisers, the talking heads in sports media. They're not going into it thinking, I guess this World Cup thing is happening. We'll see if women can catch the world's attention. It's like, no, this is the first time we're stepping into a Women's World Cup where everyone's eyes are going to be focused on it from the beginning and they don't have to do that work in the beginning of the of a world cup or a euro to prove to people that like oh this is going to be a fun event this is just going to hit the ground running i think and be one of the biggest women's sporting events that we've ever seen and we've got a pretty good guest today jess to uh to kick it all off yeah tell us who it is oh i'm about to hype intro this for you jess all right let's do it Our guest today helped Stanford win the 2019 NCAA Women's Soccer Championship. Smith got that corner. She was the number one pick in the 2020 NWSL draft. She was the 2022 NWSL MVP. She's a member of the U.S. Women's National Team, including the World Cup roster. All right, let's do it. Let's bring her on. Sophia Smith. Well, this is exciting for me. I think you're the first soccer player I've talked to who was born after the 99ers. So <laughs> if I love the 99ers, is that like liking the Beatles or something? It's something like... <laughs> what is it like? It may be, it may be equivalent to that. <laughs> but I like the 99ers too, obviously. Like I have to. I wasn't alive when that happened, but... You can respect them. So what was the learning curve there? So, you know, you weren't watching the game at the Rose Bowl as it happened. So how does somebody born in 2000 go about learning the legend of the 99ers? You watch the documentary. Mm, The one that came out like four or five years ago? Yeah. The Julie Foudy (laughs) one? (laughs) Yeah, that one. I mean, you, you know about it just from being in the soccer world, but I feel like the documentary really like gave you a visual of what it was actually like. Do you feel like you you missed out? Like, oh man, what a time. I wish I had been around for that. I mean, yeah, obviously, but I hope that there's more times like that that I am around here for. So, all right, let's stick with this theme cuz uh, Sophia on on our podcast, I'm 41, Jess is 29. So, Jess is actually like an elder to you, Sophia, but you've got some veterans on Team USA as well. I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the dynamic like when there's actually almost a full generation gap? Do they make references yeah. you don't know? All the time. Like us younger players get exposed for not knowing things that we probably should know, but we just, that's not the era we grew up in. So we just don't know what they're talking about. So it happens a lot more than I think people think. Yeah. But it's funny. Like it makes it funny. Can you give an example maybe? Is it like music, movies, pop culture references? All the things. A lot of music, like Pino or someone will play a song on the speaker and like all the older players will be like, this was my, like, this is what I was listening to in high yeah. school or whatever. And, and people will like jokingly be like, so do you know who this is? And I'm like, no, yeah. I have no idea. It happens a lot, but what can you do? It'll be like a Missy Elliott or an Eve song from like the early aughts. <laughs> yeah. That really is quite a yeah. banger. <laughs> yeah, I know. The songs are good. The songs are good. I just, I haven't heard them. I read that you do like romantic comedies. And so I texted Jess and I was like, my favorite romantic comedy is Notting Hill. I'm also just a girl. 
standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. And she was like, oh, I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. And you? I haven't seen that. I haven't okay. seen that. <laughs> okay, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I feel okay. like maybe I've heard that before, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't explain anything more. <laughs> okay, then what's your favorite romantic comedy you have watched recently? Ooh. Honestly, it's more books. Like, I watch, like, the, I mean, the basic rom-coms that are on Netflix every yeah. so often, but it's more like books. I okay. love, like, romance novels. I read a lot of Colleen Hoover books. I got the whole national team reading those books. And we even like created like a friendship with Colleen because you can. it was just, it was all we were reading. Yeah. I would say my all time favorite book is Archer's Voice. It's so good. Writing it down. I like, I would recommend that literally to everybody. Okay. Is there like a go-to activity for when you're on a long flight or are you just like on a Kindle reading or do you just binge watch Netflix shows? I'm a paper book girl. Like I... I'm an old soul. I like paper books. Relatable. All my teammates have the little like Kindles and it's probably more reasonable because like you can just like get new books whenever you want. Like you don't have to carry around five books. But I like reading the real book. Like that's the part of the experience. But reading is definitely like my go-to thing that I do to pass time on a plane or on a long trip. The good news for you reading Colleen Hoover is that you can literally get Colleen Hoover everywhere. Everywhere. For <laughs> everywhere I look that, that some places don't even sell books. It'll be like a Dunkin' Donuts and they're just like, and here's I a know. stack of Colleen Hoover books. I know. I And I swear it was not like that. Like there's been like a Colleen Hoover movement happening because mm. I never, I didn't know who she was until I, I mean like a few years ago when I read my first book, but now it's everywhere. Yeah. You were early then on Colleen Hoover. Was it Verite? Was. was it Verite that got you in? Verity. No, Verity. it was, what was it? Reminders of him. I just like ordered on Amazon because it looked good. And I read it and I was obsessed. And then I literally read every book since then. Thank God we're giving Colleen Hoover more publicity here. You know, she's definitely in need of she it. She lacks it. <laughs> yes, she does. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I saw that you grew up in Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. I went to see you and my some my best friend oh, lives in Fort okay. Collins. So um, cool. this is not the best transition here, but since it's at altitude, do you feel like since you grew up at altitude, you just slay every running test and you have way better cardio than everybody? Uh, I mean, maybe I used to, but like I haven't been back to Colorado and so like trained there in so long. I feel like I don't have that luxury anymore, but definitely like youth camps when we would come from Colorado and go to like California or Florida. Yeah. I felt like I could just run for days, but sadly that's not the case anymore. I actually have to like run fitness to get fit. Damn. You can't just breathe air where you live. Okay. I know. Exactly. (laughs) We were reading that you played a handful of sports growing up, but soccer was your favorite or was the one you were best at was there a second backup option oh for sure my 
dad played college basketball. Both my older sisters played basketball. One of them played in college. So like my family was, is a basketball family. So honestly, when I was little, like I thought that's what I was going to do. Like that's what my sister did. That's what dad did. And I honestly only tried out for soccer because some of my friends were trying out for like the local little club team. And I was like, okay, why not? Like, I'll just do it. But I had no like intention of that being like my sport because it was basketball. I was pretty good at basketball. I feel like if I stuck to it, I could have for sure played D1 college basketball. But the second I started playing soccer, I was just like, yeah, this is it. What was your um, basketball game like? Can you kind of take us through like what were your strengths there? Yeah, it's honestly pretty similar to soccer. Like I was a point guard. I was quick and speedy and just like got to the basket. I could shoot threes when I needed to. I could pass. Like it was just like kind of the playmaker. Okay. Could you envision yourself having played for Tara Vanderveer? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. She, I mean, I've heard great things about her. I love the Stanford women's basketball players. Like we were close with them when I was there. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, maybe in another world, I could have been a a basketball player. Yeah. So, all right. So you're in this, your first real buildup to a World Cup. What's the difference between a year, like a World Cup year, and now you're just a few months away compared to like last year, the year before? Like, how does it look different? What does it feel like? I would say it's different because there's like a end goal that you're working towards. Whereas in a non-World Cup year, a non-Olympic year, you're kind of building, you know, two years ago, we're building for this World Cup. But the fact that you can say it's this year and now you can say it's only in a couple of months, it's like just the nerves, the anxiousness, like it all starts to become really real. And you realize like, wow, this is actually about to happen. And I think like, obviously it, it takes, you know, doing little details, all the time to get to this level but even more so now it's paying attention to those little details and like turning the knob just a little bit more into a higher gear because you realize like you got to be ready because once you get there like there's no more preparation now it's the real time and it's you know what you've been working for for years it's a lot of emotions this year for sure how does the preparation compare between getting ready for a club season versus the camps and all of the practices you have to do to get ready for being on the international yeah. team. I would say it's, it's just different with the time you get to spend with each team. So like with Portland, you have, you know, a preseason that lasts like a month and a half and, and you're with each other pretty much every day. And it's usually, you know, a similar team to the team that you were with last year. So it's not a lot of like, you have more time together with club. You have more time together. That's just, you know, the reality of it. And I think with the national team, you only get a week or two weeks every month. The time I would say is is a lot less with the national team. So it's so much more valuable in that way. It's like you have to make the most out of every single day you're in camp and you have to build those relationships off the field with a lot less time too, because this is, your team too. This is a team that you're going to go play in the, the biggest tournament in the world. And so I think the difference is probably just the time that you get together. And with the national team, you know, players are in and out. The roster is always changing with Portland. You know, there's a set roster. It's the same people every day. So, you know, you have less time to build relationships with players who maybe haven't been in the whole, the whole year who are new or who you haven't played with a lot. It's a lot of moving pieces and you just have less time to get those things right. But I think that just makes makes that environment what it is. It's, it's hard and it's, you know, it's every day. You don't really get a break, but that's why it is what it is. Okay, before we continue on in World Cup talk, let's go back to the, like, the basketball family talk because I feel like we left somebody out. 
I'm not saying that your mom played college basketball, but can you give us her skill set on or off a field or court? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my mom played high school. I think my mom played high school soccer and basketball. I've never seen footage of it. I've never seen film. She says she was good and that we didn't get all our athletic abilities from dad, okay. which I believe I just have never seen it. So I couldn't tell you. Hmm. what the skill set was yeah yeah well i mean i would think your mom then would have been in like should have been in high school in the 90s so yeah video cameras were a thing i guess i'm just i'm saying video is possible of this it is possible that there is video yeah it was possible and i definitely could ask like my grandma and grandpa i guess yeah but she was just never like super serious about sports like that wasn't what you know she cared most about yeah so Fair enough. Yeah. But are you like me in that, like, now that we've been around high definition video for most of our lives, you can't watch anything in standard def or on film? Yep. Like, it just wow. is like gross to watch. Yeah. Right? It's nice to hear there's someone else like that. Cause, like, people will recommend like an old movie, and I'll be like, well, is it grainy? Because if it's grainy, <laughs> I will not watch it. I won't watch it. Like, I can't sit there and watch like a grainy film. No. I think sports so. highlights are the worst, right? Like you, yeah. once you get used to watching sports in high depth, how do yeah. you want to go back? I don't know. I'm just like that yeah. though. L- listen, I can relate as well. Um, even though I watched some of that grainy stuff, I am now confused <laughs> about how I found it interesting at the time. At the exactly. time it was stimulating. It was the best we had. Yeah. You didn't know any better. Nope. But like now, like you think about like the future, like are we going to say that in like 30 years? Like yes. how did we, like is it going to get even more clear? And like now it's, it's going to look grainy, yes. like what we're looking at now. It's like weird to think about. Yeah, it is, I can tell you guys from the seat of 41, it's very strange. Um, watching mm. the Hollywood stars that you came up with, the fact that Brad Pitt is 60 is just really hard to contemplate because he was like, he just looked so young when I was growing Okay, we're not going to yeah. make this about me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, Sophia, 2019 World Cup that's happening in France where were you at that time? Where were you watching it? Like, what were you thinking at that time? I was in college. It was my first year at Stanford. And I remember watching basically every single game in that World Cup and just being, like, so excited because that's what I wanted to do and to be able to be, like, witnessing that and, and seeing the games in real time and kind of following that team's journey was so special. And to see them win, I mean, it just makes you even hungrier for that to be you one day. Will you give us like the quick scouting report here on on the world? Like, as in, twenty years ago, we would have been like, mm, maybe. Well, I guess you would have said, obviously, Japan was really strong, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, Brazil was really strong. Where are we now? Like, who are the teams that, when you're thinking about who is going to oh. be there at the end, like, who are yeah. they? Um, us. England's up there, Germany, Sweden, Japan. I mean, teams have gotten so much better. The game of women's soccer has grown so much. It's no longer like two top teams that you know you know, without a doubt, they're, they're way better than every other country. So now it's like, there's a pool of teams that you just, you never know. You never know. It's really honestly who shows up that day. Yeah. 
when you were growing up, because the U.S. system is so different than everywhere else, and you were coming from a basketball family where it was like pretty traditional, like AAU and then college and then the W existed yeah. or the NBA existed. Were you following the European model? I mean, obviously you didn't stay at Stanford all four years. Were you thinking, okay, I'm going to sort of structure my path on soccer differently than the NCAA model right from the beginning? I mean, not really. Like, as soon as I realized soccer was what I love to do and what is what I was good at, I realized that that's what I wanted to do for a living. Like, I wanted to make a career out of it. And I'm fortunate to have grown up in a time where I could see that that was a possibility. Like, people were already doing that when I was, you know, I mean, the NWSL existed. So I think having that and knowing that that's what I could do helped a lot in how I kind of went about my career, even from a young age, like the possibility of even skipping college altogether and going straight pro definitely crossed my mind was definitely a conversation. So I think once I got to Stanford, obviously you signed to a college expecting to do four years. That's the normal route, but I always had it in the back of my head that, you know, I would know when I was ready and I would know when I was ready for that next step. And it did come sooner than four years and I didn't graduate, but I would not change any of it. If I could go back, I would do it all over again because I just think I knew I was ready. Like my heart and my gut were telling me it's time for the next step. It's time to put yourself in a new environment and be uncomfortable, be the youngest player in the league, put yourself in an environment where you have to grow. So I think my route was obviously different in, in the fact that I didn't do all four years in college, but you're seeing that happen more and more. So I wouldn't even say that's super uncommon anymore, but I, I always knew I wanted to be a professional soccer player. So that was always in the back of my head. It seemed like you were really sure of yourself and confident in yourself. Did you have to convince anyone else though, that you knew and trusted yourself that you were making the right decision? Not really. Like, my parents were some of the most supportive people in that decision because at the end of the day, they just want me to be happy. They weren't set on, you have to get your you know, degree from Stanford. You have to, they, whatever I felt like I needed at that time, they supported me fully. My college coach wasn't super happy about it. <laughs> different goals. Um, different goals. Yeah, yeah, different goals. But so, I mean, I didn't ever feel like I had to defend my decision because I didn't feel like I owed that to anybody. If I felt like this was the best thing for myself and my career, that's all that I needed, you know, to go through with it. And if people had their opinions, which everyone's always going to, you're not ever going to make everyone happy. And I realized that very early on, I was okay with that. I was okay with people thinking, oh, she's not ready. Or why would you leave Stanford to pursue a career where players aren't making that much money? Like why? There were a lot of questions, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I love. You know, I love the game. So I was fully ready for the opinions and the comments to come because naturally they would, but I knew that that was what I needed to do. And I'm very happy about it. What do you love about the game? My favorite thing about soccer is just how, how expressive I can be, like how creative I can be. Every game is different. Every game has a different challenge, but I have the freedom to try things. And I think that, you know, a lot of that is the luxury of my position. Like I can get away with, trying a move and, and losing the ball because I have eight players behind me to cover for me. Obviously, center backs aren't, don't have that luxury, but I love, you know, I was always a goal scorer from the, the day I started playing. So I love just the freedom in that and the freedom and, you know, learning how to play with different people around you and 
seeing how everyone's skills and uniqueness just can come together and be so much fun. So I think that's probably my favorite part. So give us, if you had control of like the locker room, what, what would we say? Stereo? Speakers? Plug-in? Uh, Playlist. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Cassette tapes? I'm just going to leave. <laughs> what, Playlist, what, yeah. Wh- Playlist. Who would you play? But like somebody that you'd want to impress mm. that like not everybody's playing, but that you're listening to and you kind of want to like introduce them to. Oh. Oh, man. Um... I really like country music. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I know. It it disappoints a lot of people. I really like country music. But sometimes before a game, I'll play like really calm, like meditating music. Like if I feel like I'm just like stressed or like I have a lot of pressure, I'll literally search like meditation playlist and just sit on the bus and just like try to just like come to the peaceful place because I learned that that's how I play my best soccer. It's when I'm calm and when I'm not overthinking everything or putting too much pressure on myself so I'll yeah I'll listen to some meditation music and like I don't think a lot of people do that so I think I I could get people onto that because I think it's good for everyone we can play you off here with some meditation music that's what we'll do here (laughs) okay thanks (laughs) Sophia thank you so much for being generous with your time it was fun talking to you today thank you thank you you too thank you guys When we launched the Bragg Hotline, never in a million years could we have predicted the number of calls we'd receive from coaches who have had it with over-involved parents. To be honest, our staff wasn't equipped to digest the barrage of insults and potty talk coming from these respected pillars of our communities. So we created a new platform just for frustrated coaches called the Reality Check Hotline. A toll-free number for coaches to really speak their minds. I gotta get this off my chest. I get that... Everyone's child is special to them, and but, but these parents they all think they have the next Hillary Knight. This one dad, Dave, is always mad that I don't give his daughter any playing time. More playing time so she can score in the other team's net? Are you kidding me? This is hockey. It's pretty simple. He says, well, maybe she's just confused. I says, there is no way, because it's her own teammate standing right in front of the goal. He says, you're the coach. You got a teacher. I says, I did. She says she knows it's her own goal and that she feels bad when the other team is losing. I say, I don't have time for this type of nonsense. Here at Reality Check, we listen to you because we know those parents aren't going to. The parents think they're better coaches than the actual coaches. One woman comes up to me and she goes, I'm no coach, but if I was, I'd put Jimmy in the center, John is a wide receiver, and Sophie is a quarterback. I said, ma'am, we're playing t-ball. Those positions don't exist here. Our operators are standing by so that you can let off all the steam. Wow, it looks like our lines are lighting up. Let's hear from another coach. This might be the worst time to be a coach. I, I, I mean it. I've got about five parents, all with tripods, in my way, trying to record their children's special play. They sit up anywhere they want. It's like a Three Stooges routine. I had a parent try to set up a camera in front of her son while they were batting. You know how many runs we scored in the last game? Zero. You know how many tripods with cameras were set up? Eighteen. We had more cameras than players. They're trying to catch the moment when their kids can't even catch the ball. And they don't even practice with their kids. These parents. 
You'll feel so much better once you call because at the Reality Check Hotline, we understand that the parents are angry and rich and you're a volunteer. And another thing, there are no boundaries with these sports parents. I was at the coffee shop and Jimmy's dad comes up to me and goes, I hope the caffeine will wake you up and you'll finally put my kid in to start instead of benching him. You have real potential on your hands. Jimmy is benched because every time I check the outfield, he's doing cartwheels and splits. Sir, your son wants to be in gymnastics, not in t-ball. I'd have more potential with a pommel horse and parallel bars. So if you're a coach and you think you might snap, give us a call first. At Reality Check Hotline, we know you're good at your job. You make a difference. And sports stars aren't born, they're coached. Kate, I think we need to set up our own brag hotline for when our dogs do something cute. Ooh, I will flood that with calls because yeah. right now there is a baby Ragnar, <gasps> five-month-old puppy, pug mm. mutt mix on my lap snoozing. So this is the cutest snooze. Willow's sleeping right next to me as she does every time I podcast, but I think like at some point... I have like 60,000 photos in my camera roll and like 45,000 are of Willow doing almost the same thing every time, but like it looks slightly different so I can't delete them. And maybe if I could send it to a hotline and they could be like, OMG, so cute, I would have the motivation to like delete some of them. One thing I've been doing lately, Jess, is just forcing everyone who meets Ragnar to say out loud that he is the cutest dog they've ever seen. Like I actually say, is he not the cutest dog you've ever seen? And if they're sort of wishy-washy about it, I'm like, show me a cuter one. You have to say it. Yes, say it. Say it. Maybe that's our next sketch. A brag hotline for dog owners. I mean, that could be what we need, you and I. Uh, We can't let people peek behind the curtain too much. This is, brag hotline's a real product and it's out there. You can call in and talk to them. Yeah, www.braghotlineforcoaches.com. It's a monthly fee, but isn't everything these days, Jess? So true. Who do we have to thank for this week's episode of Off the Looking Glass, Kate? Well, let's start with Sophia Smith, because by the time people are listening to this, she is about to hit the turf slash grass over in Australia slash New Zealand. So big thank you to her for joining off the looking glass as well as to you jess for co-hosting and producing this show also thank you to you kate for co-hosting and producing off the looking glass and to anya alvarez our fearless producer and the person who has turned this into a not just a basketball and soccer podcast but a golf and everything else podcast too. yes much needed well-rounding of off the looking glass Thank you also to Ashlyn Salzano, who wrote the Bragg Hotline for Coaches, and to Nameless Numberhead, Henry and Mari, for performing it for us. Thank you to Carl Scott for executive producing, Joel Schupach for the amazing sound design. That's it, Jess. Those are the thank yous, and it's here. The month is here. It's soccer time. Let's do it. See you on text. Text.